0: Turn to 2 Chronicles 7.14. We'll look at that. I'm going to be speaking on the word revive tonight. The word revival is not found in the King James Bible, but certainly the the idea is there. The word revive is found eight times in seven verses. I found that interesting. So we will look at that, but probably the most common Promise, even though it was to the nation of Israel, it's certainly the, the symptoms in here apply. God wants revival. God wants new life. God cares for the loss. God cares for us to walk with Him. And hopefully, this might help someone. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and heal their land. You know, one of the things that is missing, oftentimes, in soul winning these days, and don't get me wrong, I'm not criticizing anyone who's trying to reach people. I'd rather be kind of goofed up and zealous for trying to reach the lost than, not doing it, than trying to nitpick every little thing someone says. But oftentimes, you don't hear the word Repentance. The gospel has two parts: repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, for years, and was under you know a kind of a ministry where it was one, two, three, repeat after me. Um, some of us know better than that. I don't once again knock the zeal of people to try to lead people to the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. It's certainly in there, but it also comes from the Old Testament. I couldn't give you the reference. Says, "Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord in truth." And, you know, why would you call... It's one thing to say, I know I'm a sinner. Anyone you talk to will admit I've done wrong. It's another thing to want to change and to truly be sorry about something. You can't be saved unless you want to be forgiven. It's that simple. And uh, when you realize our sins are against God Almighty, our Creator, and usually when you track it down within your heart, you find out I've been mad at God all along, even though you may be blaming it on someone else. All the focus points to Him. Nevertheless, the first verse. Um, if we could go to Nehemiah four two. Um, once again, eight times the word "revive" is in the Bible in seven verses. One time it's negative. We are. Uh, I put with the help of Brother Joe. We'll look at the word opposition. If any man lives godly in Christ Jesus, he shall uh, suffer persecution. When you hear stories of uh, some godly movements of God. Some great revivals that have happened. Usually it starts with just a couple people praying. Somewhere is in a spot no one even knew about them. Where sincere, broken-hearted people decided to seek the face of the Lord. And you know what? People, uh, opposition, in the Salvation Army, let me just focus on that story for a minute. Um, when William Booth came into London, uh, they didn't have drinking laws back then. He would see five-year-old children stabbing in the front of a bar, drunk, because their parents didn't want to deal with them crying and would feed them booze. There was no drinking laws back then. He saw in London, which was the, England was the richest country in the world, dire poverty with it. There was brokenness over that. There was sorrow over that. God's moved this man's heart to wanting to make a difference, to wanting to help people. If you don't remember this, we have the cure. Our nation, our people, our neighbors, everyone we meet is poisoned. They have a death, death sentence. They're on their way to hell, the Bible says. And we have the cure. And you know what? It'd be a shame if we don't offer that cure to someone else. We need to care. Jack, Jack Howells, before I finish the story about the William Booth thing, Jack Howells used to always say, pray for power. Pray for power. In the warped world we live in, all the heroes are Iron Man, Superman, uh, Batman, or this one or that one, the Avengers... And the last Jedi, you know, all these things of supernatural power people. And they're, you know what? There is a one. There is a great superhero. And he's Jesus Christ. All these other ones are just a figment of people's imaginations. And the power they show is to wipe out people and to hurt people and to kill people. You know, I think I finally figured out the power Jack Hiles was talking about. And Jack Hiles was a great example of a soul winner. You know what power we need to pray for? Not the power to hurt people, the power to love. You know, it's not in our natural instinct to love people. There's part of us that want to hurt. There's part of us that gets insulted easier. There's parts of us that have thick skin. We're easily offended. We need to pray for love. For love is of God. And God, and anyone who loves not is not of God. We need the power of love. Love is greater than hate. Love, hate doesn't make you tough. There's plenty of people in prisons that have, were tough people, tougher than you and me. And they hurt people and they, they regret the day it ever happened. Don't let that happen to you. You can be a safe person here today and still have that feeling of hurt and want to hurt people. I gotta pray all the time to love, to love. I'm off of work because of a shoulder injury and I've had time to look into this doctrine, that doctrine, other doctrines, and to soul win every day. Not that I'm promoting myself, it's just something I need to do. And as I walk down the street, I'll see what looks like gangsters. You know what I have to do? Give them the go to them just as much as I go to the woman pushing a baby carriage you know what I've found out? God is no respecter of men. God doesn't care if someone looks like a gangster or looks mean or looks tough. I've met some of the nicest people I've ever met in the worst areas. Don't judge a book by its cover someone once said. Well, don't God judges the heart. Just because someone has a rough exterior, a lot of times that roughness and that meanness and that tough image is only to cover up someone that's hurting inside and they're closer to the Lord than you could ever imagine. Well, anyway, William Booth, they founded the Salvation Army and a lot of women were the first ones to really go out as soul winners and I can't remember this woman's name, but I remember the story. They took her because she was preaching, you know, on the street. She wasn't a pastor. And they didn't want to hear what she had to say. And they took her and tarred and feathered her. And they did some horrible things to her. And through the time... Of, of Christianity, the greatest revivals and the greatest things that ever happened was someone had to suffer persecution. Someone had to go through a rough time. When the Roman Empire made it against the law to be a Christian, the real Christians stood out. The real people that wanted to make a difference didn't give up. Because when wickedness took its place, and when the evil rose up, there was plenty of people with the Lord put on their heart, I will not sit there in the presence of evil. My life doesn't mean that much to me. As you get older, you know there's a lot of older people here. I'm hoping I'm going to speak to young people. People are fading off the scene. The older preachers and all these great men of God. We need young people. We need young people to be pastors and pastor's wives and soul winners and missionaries and take up the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and make a difference with your life and get your head out of the TV and all these phony heroes and all this phony garbage and look to the real hero. The real hero is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the almighty God of heaven. He created the universe and He made Himself a servant and He made Himself low and He humbled Himself to the death on the cross where He became the most vilest sinner ever. He became evil he became the rapist he became the murderer he became the child molester he became the butcher he became the torturer he became every wicked thing you could ever imagine and why did he do it? so that people could get forgiveness of their sins why did he do it? because he cared and why did he do it? because he wants us to care too and it would make a difference Nehemiah 4.2 says this this is where opposition comes in this church is facing a building program uh, physical painting reconstruction Well, what's the idea of it? To improve the structure, to increase attendance, to breathe new life into this church. Soul saves. Well, here's what he said when the Jews were going to build in Nehemiah. And this is someone, this is the one time you see the word revive being used negative. Seven times it's positive, one time it's negative. Someone's mocking. And he said before his brethren of the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps, the rubbish which are burned? He was mocking them. How about us older guys? You might think, well, my best years are behind me. I don't know, and I say this casually. Us older guys, and it's not most of the older guys here are so very busy with the church. It's time to come out of retirement. It's time to make a stand for the Lord because our time is short. We don't know how much time is left. It's time for us to not be ashamed. We're facing the judgment seat of Christ and the, eventually the white throne judgment and to make a difference for the sake of this church and the young people of this church. I am so thankful today to have three daughters here. We used to sing sing a song, We Are the Daughters Three. Rachel came and Valerie, and here they are today. And I'm and also thankful to have Brother Caleb here, uh, a, a wonderful friend and a, a world-class athlete. You would never know by looking at him. The guy's amazing. But anyway, thank you for coming. And I don't say that to pro- promote him. But... Um, Opposition. We're trying to build a work here. There's not a person here that one day wants to say, Boy, it was because of you I came to know the Lord. It was because of your testimony I was encouraged. I'll tell you, I love the Friday night meeting. A.D. meeting. It's not just for a bunch of ex-alcoholics, ex-drug addicts, ex-jail people whatever. It's a discipleship program. It's a wonderful meeting. I don't know what you're doing on Friday nights, but I'll tell you what. If you're bored to death, come to that. I'm telling you, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be helped. It's a wonderful testimony. I mean, for me, it's a wonderful thing to do. My wife and I look forward to it so very, very much. It's a wonderful time. Number two, we'll look at Psalm 138:7. Troubles. You know, we all have troubles. We all have headaches, heartaches, disappointments. Things didn't go our way. Trouble, trials, tribulation. You can take a list of every person here, and it wouldn't be hard for them to name some of the troubles. Someone said this, well let's read the verse first. It says this, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou will revive me. I want to remind, uh, uh Pastor Mike said this, I don't know if he just said to the choir tonight, you know, God made promises he plans on keeping. Never forget that. These plum, you know, there was a, there's a movie, and forgive me for using, uh, A movie to make an illustration. It was called The Silver Chair. Did anyone ever see the movie The Silver Chair? Well, in The Silver Chair, it's mythology, but there's this witch, and she bewitches this prince, and he is under her power. The only time he gains his sanity is at nighttime, and and this good guy sends people to try to rescue him. And as he is uh, coming to his sanity, they said, if anyone calls on this guy's name, he's the one you need to rescue. And so, they free him from the silver chair. He's ready to go free. And all of a sudden, the witch shows up. And she tries, she's doing this sorcery and stuff. And he's starting to fall asleep and fall asleep. There is no... And let me just use this illustration. It's like the devil telling us, there's no hell. There's no hell. And it doesn't matter what you say to people. You don't have to witness people. They don't care. Don't bother. Go to sleep. Just relax. You have your life. You have enough trouble. And all of a sudden, one of them who was there... They're all starting to get bewitched. It's kind of like some people in the Christian church. All of a sudden, this one guy puts his hand in the fire and he wakes up. It's a bunch of lies. He puts his hand in his fire. He comes to his senses. It's a bunch of lies. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And it does matter how I live. And it does matter what I say. And we need to stand against the evil one. And we need to fight the devil. We need to fight the world. We need to fight our flesh. We need to make a difference. We have trouble. Someone said this and it's pretty good. We all have trouble. 10% of the problems we have is from the trouble we find ourselves in. And 90% of our troubles of, or 90% is, what do we do about it? Yeah, we have trouble, but what are you going to do about it? We have the promises of a faithful God. Are you going to be ruined by your trouble? Or you, my, doesn't the Bible say, my strength is made perfect in weakness? Therefore I will glorify the Father because these things have made me closer to the Lord. You know this, when Jesus shows up, we're better off. It's not about us. Jesus wants to live his life through us. What a life. What a, what a wonderful thing it is. It's not about how talented we are. If we have any talents, it's because the Lord gave it to us anyway. God gave everyone talents to serve Him. God gave everybody a heart to feel. God gave everyone the ability to love. And if you don't remember this, love is stronger than hate. When you hate somebody and they die, you don't really hate them anymore. But when you love someone and they die, you still love them. Love is way stronger than hate. That's why I tried to say earlier, we need to pray for love. We need to pray for the ability to love. We need to have God live His life to us because God is love. And he wants to take away all that garbage of our flesh And all that stupid thinking And all the stuff that stuff Someone once said The bigger the brain The more room for bats And let me tell you something Your mind is not meant to be a garbage pan As a man thinks so he is We need to think about what God wants us to think about We have the ability to think about the right things No one has to be obsessed with stupid thoughts No one has to stay on stupid Unless you want to stay on stupid And it's not a good place to stay And I say that with grace I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings It's just the way it goes sometimes Number three, Psalm 85:6. Psalm 85:6 says this. Oh, by the way, the world, the devil. There is a devil, and he comes as an evil spirit, and he comes as an angel of light, a religious person. I've said this before, but let me make this known, especially for you young people. Look at me, young people. I want you to know this. You got to know this. The devil is afraid of Jesus. The devil believes in God. They tremble. Let me tell you something. The devil can't face Jesus one-on-one. He's afraid of Jesus. He was beaten by Him on the cross and He'll never recover. The only time He can do something when He has permission to do it. The devil's afraid of Jesus. You don't have to be in your house with every light on and everything and being terrorized. If you are, it's because you haven't done this simple thing. Submit to God. That's the hardest part, but that's the most important thing we need to do. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. The devil will run away from a five-year-old kid that submitted to the Lord because the devil's afraid of Jesus he's not afraid of us when Jesus shows up he says I'm getting out of here Revival brings joy You know what joy is a wonderful thing joy is in, is not happiness happiness comes from a word hap which is happenstance circumstances bring happiness joy is from the Holy Spirit joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit you can have joy when circumstances aren't going your way Nehemiah 10 uh let me says this Then Nehemiah 10 says this go Then he said unto them, Go thy way, eat thy fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you'd help me just sing that song real quick. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And part of it goes, ha 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 ha. Oh, we won't sing that part. Joy is good for you. Jesus wants you to have joy. I don't know if you're sad or miserable or having a bad day here, but you have the Holy Spirit, and joy is available to you. And what are you thinking negative thoughts for? It's not all. It's not all going downhill. Think of all the positive promises you have. Set before you. I don't care. Listen, I'm not putting down someone who's having a hard time. It happens. It happens to all of us. And I think the pre, I think Pastor Dave said this morning. You know, it's okay to be having a you know a rough time, but uh, don't you know you don't have to stay there. You know, though I go through the valley of death. You know, some people go through some valleys, but you know Jesus always. You know the story. The footprints in the sand. And, and God chose a person in his life and he said, why did you desert me during the worst times of my life? You know, you said you loved me, but when I was going through all this stuff, you weren't there. And he said, that's not true. The only reason you see the two sets of prints is because I was carrying you then. I'll never leave you or forsake you. You have a friend that's closer than a brother. Jesus isn't just some philosophy young person. He's a living person that you can know. And he wants to speak to your heart. And he wants you to be able to hear him. And if you don't know it, he's only a sincere prayer. Away. Put him to the test. I've never heard the voice of the Lord. I've never heard him speak to me. I don't have assurance of my salvation. How come? Maybe it's because you never put him to the test. Put him to the test. He's come true. His promises are true. He's never failed. He cares about people. But he cares about a broken heart. He wants our hearts to be right, and uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's Ephesians 5, uh, 18 uh, Excuse me. One second. Five eighteen through twenty says this. Brother uh, John Sanchez brought this up at the meeting. It was very good. Be not drunk with wine. How many people are self meditating themselves with alcohol? Why? It's fun to get drunk, but it's wicked. It's very, very wicked. On the day of Pentecost, they thought they were drunk. You know what? They had a better, excuse the expression, high than alcohol could ever give them. What did they had? They had the joy of the Holy Spirit that God wants you to have. Drugs and alcohol are used by the devil to mess up your life and open the door for Satan to come into your life. And let me tell you something, it's... Sin is fun for a season, but it brings a destroyed life and a lot of wickedness with it. Oh, never, you young ladies, don't ever say, oh, smoking weed is good for you. It's it's natural. You know, it's like anything else. Yeah, it is. But it messes with your mind. And if you want joy and you're unhappy and you're looking for some happiness, did you ask the Lord about it? Have you ever asked Jesus about it? I'm unhappy. Ask him and he'll help you if you mean it. Speaking to yourself, here's what Brother John brought up and, and it's. It's very scriptural. He said, I never did this, or I'm not sure how he said it, but he says, it's funny how these songs are just in my heart now when they never were before I got saved. Be not drunk with wine, which is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a commandment, to be filled with the Spirit. Mark and I both agreed on this, and so did everyone else, but him and I right away, because someone brought up a thing like, oh, it's only God's grace. Yeah, but when God commands something, he gives us the ability to do it. Yeah, it's God's grace, Yes. But when God commands something, He gives us the ability to do it. And it says, be filled with the Spirit. Why would He tell us that if we didn't have the ability to do it? And being filled with the Spirit is something we all want. That's what we strive for. Because the flesh profiteth nothing. Speaking to yourself in Psalms and hymns, it's talking about what's going on in your mind. You want to be filled with the Spirit? Get your mind in the right thing. Spiritual songs, singing make melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Many people are bitter and away from God because they forgot about being thankful. And I'm not putting people down. I know what it's like to be bitter. I know what it's like to be not comfortable in the skin I'm in or whatever. I know it's... And you know what? What you find out as you get older, man, why did I even bother? Why did I even bother? Jesus is just so much better than all that nonsense. And a root of bitterness will ruin you. Pull it out. Let Jesus pull it out. He knows what you've gone through. He knows someone did you wrong. And I'm not making... Making little of someone who did you wrong and hurt you, and they were wrong and they deserve a punishment. Well guess what? Vengeance is mine, say to the Lord. There is a price for them to pay. There is something that's gonna happen. Don't you ever think that God's just gonna let it pass someone that stomped on you and hurt your feelings and was mean to you and tortured you and did all kinds of stuff? There's payback and the Lord's gonna, Vengeance is mind. Says, Lord, I'll pay back. It's not just gonna go by. Number four, Isaiah 57 fifteen says this for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. That's the only verse where you see it twice mentioned there. Contrite, being remorseful, being sorry, Being repentful, being apologetic, humble, penitent for sin, submission to God's will. Having a right attitude is what I'm trying to emphasize here. We always used to say this, attitude's a little thing, but it means a whole lot. People in the Bible were famous for having a good attitude. Daniel, for example, he's the one I always think of. He had a great attitude and it was very noticeable. We should have a good attitude. And here's one of the reasons... God dwells with those who have a broken contrite heart and are humble in spirit. It's, one of the secrets is this. It's not a secret. Is that I'm gonna sing it in a song. I hate sin. I hate it bad. I hate sin cause it makes God mad. It is wrong. It is wicked. When I see it, I will kick it! I hate sin cause I love God. There's gotta be a time if you ever wanna be close to God where you have to start agreeing with God. He hates sin and we gotta do our best to hate it too. We get caught up in stuff that we sometimes we know God doesn't want us to do, and we just get stuck there and then you know what? You gotta get out of that. You want to walk with God? You want to make a difference? You want to stand before Him and not be ashamed? Get the sin out. Hate sin. Make a stand for right. And it's going to help you to have a good attitude. If you wonder why you have a bad attitude, because there's probably something the matter that you never dealt with. You check the Lord out on it. Number five. Hosea 6, two. It says this. What do we put there? Return of the Lord. You know, through the years of me being a Christian, um, Many people have placed the dates on when the Lord's coming back. It's always a thing of interest, us Bible students. You know, I'm a somewhat of a Bible student. I've spent time studying. And when I say this, I'm not trying to promote myself. It's of interest. Uh, Many of the men here, the ladies probably too, but men, I don't know, like doctrine more maybe. Maybe not. Women like, you know, walking with the Lord and love and all that stuff better. Spiritual stuff. I've read about the difference between salvation in the Old and New Testament I've read about Jehovah Witness, why they don't believe in hell. I did a paper on Calvinism versus Bible believism. I did uh, some uh, work on uh, uh, hyper-dispensationalism and this and that. And it makes for interesting stuff, but you know what? It can be really dry. Let me just focus this. You know where my focus is on? The church age I'm in right now. I I might be interested. I don't care how people were saved in the Old Testament that much. I'm not disputing what the Bible says, but I'm not going to argue with someone over it because I'm not in the Old Testament. And I'm not going to distribute how people get saved in the tribulation period, though I'm interested in it. It's a waste of time. In the church age, you couldn't lose your salvation if you wanted to. It Any plain scripture that even suggests you could lose it is either in the Old Testament, tribulation, or somewhere else. It's never in this church age we're in right now. A man who saved will never lose his salvation this age. What a wonderful gift that is not to be under the law and be under the age of grace. That's where our focus needs to be. Someone who wants to get stuck on this other stuff, it just gets you away from God's will to have a pet doctrine that you have to push, push, push all the time. Like uh, Jehovah Witnesses with the Trinity. First of all, just to say quickly, the word Trinity isn't the Bible, but the word you know why Jehovah Witnesses can't find the Godhead in the Bible? And I, I've been on their site. And I don't say this casually. Here's what they said, but not just the Godhead. They said, we've studied the Bible and we can't find anything for the doctrine of hell being eternal. And I said, what? And they give two, three proof texts. And I'm not going to repeat what they are right now. If you want to see me after the service, I can show you what they are. And if you just look at those three verses and that's all you looked at, wow, that looks pretty good. Maybe they're right. Except for the other 10, 12, 15 other ones that say differently. You know why they can't find eternal hell in the Bible? It's the same reason why a car thief can't find a police officer. It's talking about an honest or dishonest heart. I'll tell you what, yeah, hell isn't a a fun thing, but Jesus paid the price so no one has to go there. No one has to go to hell. The price is paid. The price for heaven is everyone. Hell is for, was created for the devil and his angels. It's not God's will that any should perish. God wants all men to come repentance, And God wants every man to come to the knowledge of truth. That's one thing Calvinists can't answer. To be a Calvinist, to be a hyper-Calvinist, words don't mean what they, they commonly mean anymore. All doesn't mean all and all this other stuff. You've got to be nuts. You're other than a pecan pie getting stuck on one doctrine or another. God has a responsibility for men to preach the gospel, to preach repentance, to convince men, to persuade men, to try to make a difference. Why? Because God wants to use men. If God wanted to, He'd do it all by Himself. But He's decided to let us be part of His work. And what a difference I can say has been in my family. This woman, um, uh, this woman, oh boy, now it slipped my mind. Anyway, I haven't seen her in years. But because of that woman, and last I knew, she had MS and was dying from it. Barbara, Barbara was her name. Barbara Chapman. She never was a married woman. She gave her life to serving the Lord. One time, she was my mother told my father, "We got to go over to Barbara Chapman's house. There's something the matter." And my father said, "No, she's fine. I don't, wanna go. I don't want to go. the long day. No, we got to go." And so he drags my mother, drags my father over there, and they get to the house and they ring the doorbell and ring the doorbell. No one comes. And my father goes, "She's not here. Let's leave." And my mother says, no, she's in there. Not Barbara, open the door! No. You know why? God speaks to people. God tells people here in this room things that other people that are carnal don't know. The Holy Spirit still speaking to people. The Holy Spirit is still telling people things that the common kind of man doesn't know. I know you're in there! Open up this door! I'm not leaving! You know what? Moments later, she opened the door. And there she was, crying her head out, just covered with tears. And God had told my mother, someone needs help! Someone needs some comforting. Someone's going through a hard time. I need someone to go. You know in Isaiah 6 when God said, Who will go? Who can I send? Who will go for me? Why is He sending people? Because people are hurting. A person that goes to hell, he's sorry they ever lived. But it's not just ending up there. There's people in this life that are hurting. They don't think they have a friend. They're lonely. No one cares. No one knows what's going through. God wants a friend, a good friend that's thinking close to their brother. What a difference. I remember this guy he was going to go kill his brother because they had an argument over drug money and stuff. And he was determined to kill his brother. And he went to borrow a gun from his buddy. And when he went to his buddy to get the gun, he always lent him the gun before because he was involved with crime. And he used to borrow it to, you know, rob people. He said to him, he knew something was up. He goes, what do you want the gun for? He never asked him that before. I'm going to, And finally he told him, I'm going to kill my brother. You know what? This guy was a dead criminal. Both of them. Drug addicts and all that. But he talked him out of it. If someone looking like that could talk someone out of committing suicide, killing their brother, doing some horrible thing, God only knows when God said, I look for a man to stand in the gap so my people would not be destroyed. We all want to be that kind of person that would be a help to someone before they make some stupid decision that's going to ruin their lives. We see these young people up here, they're so happy, they're singing, and it's so wonderful. And yet, let me, you all, we all know we're older, our lives, some of us, how much many years we have? Seven, ten, whatever? This world is going to pop fast. But the return of the Lord, everyone used to give dates on it. And you know, uh, it says in Hosea 6, two. let me get back to this before I keep going on too many rabbit trails. And two days He will revive us, and the third day He will raise us up and we shall live in His sight. Well, you know, two thousand years was the two days and the third day was, you know, the millennium when the Lord returns is how most people saw it. And it might still be that way. I don't know. But one thing, Jesus, no man knows the day or hour, only Jesus does. But the bottom line is this. Jesus is coming back just like He said He would. And the world is no better. And the world is just like the days of Noah and Lot, when wickedness had prevailed. For heaven's sake, we have homosexual people getting married to each other. They're calling themselves homosexual. And they're saying natural. And you're the idiot for preaching against it. And you're the hater that hates them because you're, they're, I'm born this way. How dare you say it? People call evil good and good evil. The world's not getting better. The day is gonna come, I'm almost positive, where the homosexual crowd is gonna to try to put churches like this, close the doors, and Label us all as haters and ever that. But there's still time to make a difference. The door isn't shut. And Jesus is the God of the open door that no man can shut until He wants to shut it. And time is short. And the return of the Lord draweth nigh. And I don't know how much longer we have to live, but we need to make a difference while we still can. We need to care. We need to pray for love. We need to count our days because the days are getting shorter. <sighs> Number 6, Hosea 14.7 I don't know if you can turn there fast. Forgive me for not waiting. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. You know, Oh, wait a minute. What did I do here? Okay. Let me read this verse. Psalm 91.9. 91.1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, we dial 911 when there's an emergency. It's funny how a lot of things in this life parallel the Bible, even for unbelievers. Psalm 91.9 says this once again. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. God's protection is is involved with living close to Him and being close to Him and under His shadow. They shall grow. We have a promise. We'll grow if we live close to the Lord. We'll have a life worth living. Who here doesn't want to have a life worth living? I've had such a wicked, stupid life before. So for so many years. I'm ashamed of what stupid and idiotic things, but I can tell you this. I know what the power of forgiveness is. I know what the power of a changed life can be. I know what God can do. I know what it's like to be loveless sleep and not care anymore. And I can tell you this, as I'm getting older, those things are getting farther behind me. Have a life worth living. And having a life worth living is putting Jesus first in your life and putting your other things behind you and let Him make the decisions because it's worth it. It's worth it. Jesus said, I've come to give life and more abundantly. Do you really think the world is going to give you a better time? You know how many of us, when we were put in the bus ministry for years, my wife and I, how many of the young ladies, and I'm not putting them down, but they'd be 16 years old and they'd already have a baby and in the world and pregnant and everything like that. And you know what? And things happen. I'm for the bus ministry. I'm trying to help. on least driving. It's good to try to reach out. I mean, how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? And I don't want to spend much time being behind this pulpit. I only did it because the pastor asked me. It's time for me to decrease... There's other people more qualified than me. More polished than me. And that's not the issue. Don't get me wrong. It's time for me to decrease in others to come forward. It's time for young people to arise. It's time to see what it was like. I've seen revivals. I've never seen a worldwide revival. But I've seen churches. I've seen people where young people pray together. And young people seek the Lord's face. And young people cry to the God. And young people care. And it's not all about the world. It's not about their clothes. It's not about their style. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. I see men with bigger arms than two of us combined, crying to the Lord for the goodness of God and God can make a difference. I've seen what God can do and it always starts with prayer from a sincere heart and a broken life and someone seeking the Lord. And if this church is ever going to be what it can be and, and it's a wonderful church and I'm not knocking it in any way, it's a time if, if possible to seek the Lord to make it a house of prayer. My house shall be a house of prayer where Jesus is put number one and other things put behind us and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's not in already everyone's heart here We're last point, Habakkuk, three, two. It says this: "O Lord, I've heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive the work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. We're in a war. We're in a spiritual war. We're in physical wars all over the world. But we're in a spiritual war. There's casualties. There's people who die as a result of this war. There's people who are wounded as a result of this war. There's defeated people. There's also victories. You know, The Last Jedi. I'm not making much of Hollywood. Um, In The Last Jedi, uh, Luke Skywalker. Then I didn't see it at the movie theater. If that makes a difference to anybody. Luke Skywalker is against the work. He's done. He's given up because his kid, he was, had an apprentice failed him and he gave up and he was out of it. And the meanwhile, this group is getting destroyed by the empire, the evil ones, and there's hardly any hope less left and they're cornered in a place in this cave and are about to get destroyed. And all of a sudden, Luke Skywalker shows up to save the day. Oh, and people cry. Jesus is coming back. Luke Skywalker is an imaginary person. This other movie, The End Game, I think it is, where people said in that movie, there's one... And I don't know the actors and actresses. This one woman, there's a stone they have to get. In order to get this stone, someone has to die that you love dearly. And these two people fight over it, and one of them dies. She sacrifices her life so they can get this stone. And you know what? It's a movie. She didn't sacrifice her life. Jesus sacrificed his life. Jesus... There's been a story of Christians who gave up their life who were willing to die for a righteous cause. These little kids here, if I were to stand as a judge and I would say this, take one of those little kids, Ron, I come up here for one minute. Come here. Come quickly. Come quickly. Stand right here and face the other people. Just stand here, honey. Alright, stand on the step. So it's not so low. Turn towards the people. This, I'm the judge. This young lady is sentenced to die. And who here, if anyone, is willing to take her place? Is there anyone here? You have ten seconds to answer. And if not, let me say it'd be easy to die for such a precious little life instead of one of us old. Okay, honey. You know what God's looking for? Someone to die. Not necessarily physically physically, but to die to self. To die for others. To make a difference. Now she's a beautiful young girl. You know what you see some little kids, they're not so beautiful, but they're precious in the eyes of the Lord, and they need someone who cares and they're looking for someone who would die in their behalf. In this movie one time there's a Christian movie, there's this it's Japanese Christians and this one guy he he helps this other guy but the other guy says, you know, it's pride ever since when you're you're around so much, all I can think of is my guilt of what I did wrong and how you helped me, but I can't get over. Seeing you makes me feel bad. And the guy has said, you know what, Lord, I've been filled with pride because I helped this guy. And now I feel like he owes me. And I have been wrong about it. But the time came, there were train workers, and they're going up this mountain, down the mountain, and the train came unattached. And it started, one car moving from the other one, and it's going faster and faster, and it's gonna derail, and everyone's gonna be killed, and they're trying to turn the thing to get the brakes to work, and it won't, and it won't stop, and all of a sudden, the one guy, the Christian guy says, I know what I gotta do. And he jumps underneath the wheels of the train. And it stops it. And, you know what? There's stories of people who have done stuff like that. That sacrificed themselves for someone they loved. But once again, who sacrificed himself for someone he loved? People that didn't care about him. People that hated him. People that were mad at him. Yet he did it anyway. That is just said earlier this morning by Pastor Dave, Father, forgive them. They know what they do. Those people weren't repentant when he said that. Forgiveness goes a long ways. Sacrifice... The Lord Jesus is our hero, not the last Jedi, not the Avengers, not Batman, not Superman, not anyone else. I know who the real hero is, and he's not a fictitious person. He's the one that defeated the devil. He defeated the grave. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if we could turn in closing to uh, Revelation 19, and maybe we could stand and we'll close in this. If anyone, You don't have to stand if you're not up to it. But maybe we could read this section of Scripture together. Revelation chapter uh, 20. My apologies. Wait a minute. Boy, I'm 19. 20. Ah, I'll get it right. Revelation 20. My apologies. Starting in 10. Why don't we read from 10 to 16 together? Wait a minute. i got to get my head together here. My apologies. Yes, it is 19. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Chapter 19 of Revelation, verse 10 through 16, if we could read it together. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven fall upon him, white horses clothed in white linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it He shall rule them with a rod of iron and tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And He hath on His vesture and on His thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is coming back, just like He said. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Creator. He's the one we need to look for. He's the one that can make the difference. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go into all nations, preaching the gospel to every creature. Make a difference. Try it by pray for love. Pray that you could be a help to others. Let's pray, Jesus. Thank you for your loving goodness. Thank you for the shed blood of Calvary. Thank you for this the service tonight. Help the pastor as he returns. Help the congregation here as we go about our everyday lives, Lord. That we would serve you. Help us have the pray to love and be in your your uh, be in your uh, life you'd have for us. Keep us from willful sin in every way. Help us to be submitted to you and to resist the devil. I pray, Lord, that this church would be a house of prayer, that things could be changed for good, and that with the building plan coming, it would not just be a physical building, but it would be a spiritual building. And, Lord, that except you build a house, we labor in vain. We're looking for you to have mercy on this building, on this people, that we might have fruit that remain, not for our sake, but for yours. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. altar is open you can come forward let's stand together as decisions are being made let's have a spirit of prayer